Our scripture this morning is Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, Theopolis, I write all about that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit and the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will return, restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he lifted up, and a cloud took him out of sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up towards heavenly, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus, which has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So the past several weeks, we've been making our way through Acts, uh, not in any chronological order, and that's because uh, we're going to come back to one of the first parts of Acts, uh, Pentecost, next week, which will wrap up our ex- exploration of Acts. But we've been kind of hopping all over the place in Acts and asking the question, now what? Now that Jesus has been raised from the dead, now that Jesus uh, has fulfilled what Jesus was going to do on earth, now what? And Luke a- answers that question throughout the book of Acts. And uh, it's actually, uh, if I haven't made this clear before, Acts is Luke part two. So you have the Gospel of Luke, which was uh, part one, and the the teachings of Jesus. And then you have Luke part two, which is the birth and uh, the acts of the apostles and the acts of the early church. And it begins here in chapter one with the ascension of Jesus. There's there's an ascension story in the last part of Luke too, but here we have uh, the acts version of that, the ascension. Uh, Jesus has been hanging out with the disciples and he gives them a last, uh, last few things to, that he wants to say to them. And, uh, the disciples want to know, wait a minute, are you going to restore Israel now? Is this, are we at the, are we at that spot? And Jesus says, it's not for you to worry about that. I have things you need to do though. In the meantime, I want you to go and tell the story. Tell the good news of Jesus Christ out there in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and Judea, and throughout the whole earth, uh, throughout the, the four corners of the globe, and to head out and do that. And at that moment, we are told, we're given this picture of Jesus uh, ascending to heaven, and the disciples standing there. 
kind of watching. And <laughs> what's kind of funny about that is these two robed angels come up behind him and go, what the heck are you looking at? <laughs> what are you looking for up there? Go do what Jesus said. Jesus will come again, but in the meantime, you have work to do, was the implication of those angels saying, why are you looking up in the air? The work to do is down here, all around here. Amen? And uh, and so that kind of shakes them out of their, their stupor. And I think that Luke had, a, a, had an agenda here with his own community. You see... Every, every early church community, every New Testament writing had this notion in it that Jesus was coming any day. And I imagine the effect of that in Luke's community was that they were just kind of sitting around waiting for Jesus to come again and to just fix everything. And so they were just kind of standing around waiting. When's Jesus coming? When's Jesus going to come? Like, you know, like Harold Camping a few years ago, who uh, had all his people standing around waiting for Jesus to come and to fix everything. And Luke, in this in this wonderful story, took the occasion of the ascension to point out, wait a minute, we've got a lot of work to do before we need to even worry about Jesus coming again. And I dare say it's been 2,000 years. Uh, we haven't seen Jesus yet, so that says to me that the same message Luke is giving to his community probably applies to our community too. What do you think? Amen? <laughs> we, got, we still have a lot of work to do. And this story really is the beginning of the mission. The beginning of what everyone, what, what Jesus really expects us to do. And what is that mission? To be Christ's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To be witnesses and to point out, show the world what is going on and what Jesus has been doing in our lives and in the life of the church and the life of the body of Christ. We have this mission to bear witness to testify, to share our story. And, you know, before you start squirming in your seats thinking that I'm going to start putting badges on your chest and send you out into the world two by two, knocking on doors or have you stand around handing out tracts or things like that, uh, that's not really, I'm not going to go that direction. In fact, I beg you, please, don't. <laughs> don't go around bugging people in their homes about Jesus. Don't invite them to dinner with the, purchase, with the purpose of preaching to them. Don't hand out tracts with the four spiritual laws. Don't stand on the corner with a sign that says, Repent, for the end is near. Don't. <laughs> Why shouldn't we do this kind of stuff? Because it's obnoxious. For one thing, and it's not very effective. We've 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 tried to. I, I used to. I went to Weber State College. Well, it was a, it's a university now. It was a college then. I went to Weber State College, and there there was this guy. I used to call him the Hell Guy, because he would stand in the middle of the campus with this giant sign that said "Repent or you're going to hell," and he would just scream at people as they walked by. And I, I just wanted to ask him, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't talk to me about this, but I kept wanting, I asked him a couple of times, does anyone really, does this work ever? 
Does anyone ever come up to you and go, thank God you're here. I was, you know, my gosh, I was wondering, what am I supposed to do? And now you finally provided the, the answer here in the middle of the campus. It's ridiculous. That kind of stuff doesn't work. We all know that. The Romans road tracked. I don't think anyone really does anything with that. But what, So what does accomplish this mission we have of sharing the good news of Christ, of sharing our story? The, the first thing is simply sharing our story, right? Uh, as we look through the Bible, the ones who were most effective were the ones that had an experience with Jesus Christ. And even when Jesus told them not to tell anybody, they couldn't help it. They, they all, how many people just did exactly what Jesus told them not to and just told their story about what Jesus had done in their lives and it made a huge difference. Think of the Samaritan woman at the well when Jesus sat and talked to that Samaritan woman and uh, changed her whole life. This is what John, it's in John 4, John 4.39 says this, many of the Samaritans from that town believed because of this woman's testimony, he told me everything I did. She was compelled because Jesus sat there and talked to her and told her all of the stuff that had gone on and, and knew all the things that had gone on, knew all of her dirt and kind of engaged with her and loved her anyway. And then there's a blind man uh, in, nine, in John 9, 24. Had no idea who Jesus was, just walking along. All of a sudden, Jesus comes along and heals him of his blindness and he's walking around seeing again he didn't know who jesus was what he does know is that he was blind but now he sees it says this give glory to god they said we know this this is the pharisees confronting this guy we know this man is a sinner and the blind man replied whether he's a sinner or not i don't know one thing i do know i once was blind but now i see that's what i i don't know who jesus is but i know that my life has been transformed by his healing touch. And, and so, you know, don't try to share a story you don't know. Share your own story. And we all have a story to tell. We all have an impact. We all have a way in which Jesus has transformed us or touched us or motivated us or inspired us or forgiven us or lavished blessing upon us. That's our story to tell. That's our good news to tell. And what I got to tell you is that is compelling. Far more compelling than if you memorize a particular tract or a particular thing or if you yell at people and tell them they're sinners. It's about keeping it real. Faith must be authentic. Otherwise, you're just making a lot of noise. If it doesn't come from a real honest place, uh, then you're just making a lot of... And, and we need to know kind of what we believe and why. We ought, to, we ought to be solid in that. We ought to know and understand where our faith comes from and how we got it and what it stands on and what it means. We, because there's going to be people who are, at, who are questioning that and wondering about that. However, you also got to say, it's okay to say, I don't know. <laughs> it's okay to not have it all sewn up. And not have all of the answers. Faith is a journey. It's a lifelong journey. And I don't, I expect all of us, Jesus expects all of us to continually be learning new things from one year old to 99 to well beyond that. God is going to be teaching us new things. And so at whatever age, there are a lot of things that you don't know still. 
And that's okay. But be honest and authentic about the faith that you do know about. And share that particular thing. Uh, and being authentic helps with that. Here's another thing uh, that I think Christians could really learn a lot from. Instead of talking about your faith, try listening with your faith. You know what a rare gift it is to listen? To be a person who listens to what other, what someone else has to say? To listen to someone else's story and struggles and, and, and listen to the things that go on? I'm constantly telling my kids, you know, you got to be a friend to get a friend, right? <laughs> and part of that is just being a good listener and being attentive to the the, the struggles and the life stories of, of other people. And I guarantee your faith will come through whether you say anything about it or not when you listen to someone else with an attentive heart and a real desire to know and understand another human being that's standing in front of you. Uh, it, it seems counterintuitive, but you are witnessing to the power of Christ every time you shut up and listen. <laughs> I promise you that. And it's a powerful, it's a powerful thing to listen. Uh, and much, much more, it's, it's much kinder and gentler and, and you walk away with a much better feeling than when, if you were like me when I was in high school, I carried around my Bible. And it was a big thumping size study Bible, right? I had a good thumping size Bible. And I was ready to go toe to toe with people who I thought had a wrong view of things. And I was ready to go just, and I had, I had my places marked, right? I had it dog-eared where I was going to turn to and I would say, well, what do you do with this text? And what do you do with this text? And what are you going to do about this text? And, you know, these Bible bashes, sometimes I would win. Sometimes I'd leave them in a pile of mush in the corner and walk away feeling very proud. Sometimes I would lose. Not often, but sometimes I would lose. Sometimes I would get, uh, you know, I would, I would end up in a ball of mush in the corner <laughs> wondering what just happened and and we're always kind of you know when we get into these theological fights and when we have this sense of righteous indignation and we have this arrogance to think that we have all the answers and we know the exact truth uh, you know there's a lot of talk about Jesus but I dare say the Holy Spirit is very rarely shared in those experiences and it's very rare that you actually have uh, an encounter that transforms someone. Telling someone they're wrong and that, uh, that they're not living right and everything they believe is wrong, all that does is make them mad and puts a big roadblock between you two. I, I went to work with, when I was in the Air Force, I was stationed with this guy. Uh, I was Baptist growing up in Utah. He was Mormon growing up in Mississippi. Which is about the same thing, really. <laughs> it was a very, it was a very, and from day one, we both kind of recognized what an, what an interesting, similar experience we had from very different perspectives. And we vowed to one another that we would respect each other's faith. And we would share stories. And we would talk about, we would talk openly about our faith. And we would pray for 
each other, and I would listen to him talk about how important his faith was to him, and how awful it was being in Mississippi and feeling like everyone hated you. And I could talk about how growing up in Utah, sometimes it felt that way too, being Baptist in Utah. And we had this shared experience. Now, I didn't convince him not to be Mormon, and he didn't convince me not to be Baptist. But I guarantee you the Holy Spirit was shared between us. That's what witnessing to the power of Christ is really all about. is sharing that Holy Spirit experience. Um, you know, and, and i got to say, uh, sharing the story, it's an important thing. And getting to know uh, who Jesus is is an important thing. And many of you know, if you know me, you know that I'm, in spite of all the talk we do around here, I'm pretty evangelical. <laughs> uh, I am pretty eager to get people to come to church. To the, to the point of being a little bit obnoxious, according to my wife. We call it, um, we call it rambunctious, but I know what that word really means. It means, it means obnoxious, where I'm kind of pestering people about church. But the reason, the reason is because here is where that story is experienced and shared. Here is where we hear that story of Jesus and where people are invited to experience those things. And so if for nothing, if nothing else, if you have nothing else going for you, invite someone to come to church and hear the story here and hear of the grace of God, hear the, the Bible unpacked, hear the beautiful songs, the old ones and the new ones that stir up that Holy Spirit experience within us. Because really, when I, I'm convinced that what Jesus means by witnessing to the power and the good news of Jesus Christ, what Jesus really means is just share our heart and help people experience the good news. Don't just talk about it. Don't just point to it. But help us all experience it together. Amen? The what now we are charged with here right at the very beginning of Acts is to witness to the life-transforming presence of the living Christ who ascended into heaven. But come next week, we're going to talk about how that Holy Spirit means that Jesus is here today, right now, in our midst. And that same Jesus Christ that walked a long time ago, that the disciples testified to, that same Jesus Christ is experienced and shared and known in a very intimate and deep way by us today. Amen? We are called to let that Jesus out for the world to experience as well. Let us pray. Great and loving God, as we, as we hear this call to mission, and that mission is sharing your love, your good news, sharing your salvific message of come to me, all of you who are weary. As we hear you call us to share that, we ask for your Holy Spirit power to do it in a way that is authentic, 
to do it in a way that is genuine to our own story and to do it in a way that it just fills the world with joy and shares the Holy Spirit with those around us. May we never feel defensive about who you are, but only come to this hurt and broken world with love. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.